the show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to the Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, and today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Frank. Hello! And we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other media-related articles. So make sure you check out what the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. We have a great show for you this week. We'll start here off at the pitch, which is now, so that's good. We're on schedule so far. After that, we're going to move to coming attractions, where we'll give our thoughts on what movie is coming out this week, which this week is uh, King of Staten Island. It's a video-on-demand movie by Judd Apatow. We're going to talk a little bit about that, and then after that, we're going to move on to the SIF topic, which this week we're just going to do a TV catch-up, so what we're watching, uh, and then we're going to move on to the B-plot. We're going to explore that, answer a question, and this week we're going to be fantasy casting a hypothetical 2021 remake of Rear Window. Excited to see what Frank's got for that one, but first, uh, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. So Frank, when, uh, when did you realize that you really had a passion for movies? I think I realized I had a passion for movies back when my mom wasn't letting me watch them because i grew up in kind of a strict household my mom would let me watch movies mostly like pg as a kid growing up but she was really strict on like the pg-13 rating and rated r rating my dad not so much like he was a long-haul trucker and on the summer times i'd just ride with him around the country and he'd have like a tv and a vcr in the back of the cab so i'll just spend my summer watching every r-rated movie my dad had with him my mom didn't know about that, still doesn't. So when I was in junior high, I found out that in high school they have a filmmaking class. And like, you know, I wanted to join that because I found out they watched R-rated movies during that. So when I got to high school, I got the form for video production, took it to my mom. I ripped off the last page. I had the R-rated warning. So my mom didn't even know about that. And from that class... Going forward, my love of just movies kept growing, and yeah. So when you start writing for Sif Pop? I don't know. <laughs> I can have a bit of a horrible memory. I know I joined the list from Blake sometime last year. I can't remember the first article that I wrote or contributed on, and I got more heavily involved this past March when I went to Sin Week and I was hanging out with Blake. You know, Cinema Sims did a big, like, meet and greet and everything. And I was explaining to him, like, one reason why I don't contribute as much is, for some reason, anytime he sends me the email, it always goes to my spam. And by the time I even notice it, it's, like, halfway through the week and everything's taken. Yeah, those weeks are the worst. So that night, he reminded me of it, and I said, you know what? I know it's Thursday night. I'm going to go back to the hotel and I'm going to type up the article. I've been trying to do it mostly every week now. And it's been fun contributing my little, usually on topic, but still off the topic at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I always love seeing when Blake tweets about what, what article you've written this week and, and how it, it, it had to be heavily edited or or about how it made you just die laughing. All right, now I got one silly question for you, and that question is, uh, when you go to the store, what kind of bread do you buy? Uh, whichever kind that my wife picks up, but it's usually always, they prefer wheat bread, but I prefer white. Yeah, I, uh, I found out this, I found this new bread, uh, oat nut, and I just, I can't stop getting enough of it. Oat nut? Yeah, it's, it's got like oatmeal flakes on it. It's, it, it's amazing. It's the best toast I've ever had. 
How old are you? I'm 25. And you're already on the oatmeal. All right. <laughs> you're an old spirit. No, I'm really not. Anyway, um, we're going to move on to the coming attraction now. So we're going to be talking about a movie that's coming out this week. This week's movie is King of Staten Island. It's a new Judd Apatow movie. It's Dr. Pete Davidson among some other popular faces. It releases on VOD on June 12th. So wherever you do video on demand, Comcast, DirecTV, Vudu, Fandango, wherever that is, that's going to show appear on June 12th. And we have not seen this movie because it hasn't released yet, but we want to talk a little bit about what we're thinking about the movie before it's released. You know, if you're having a conversation with a friend, talk about this movie, see if you want to see it or not. We want to have that conversation here. So, uh, so Frank, you watched the trailer for this. What, what are your initial thoughts about this movie? My initial thoughts, this is a, a tough movie for me to get behind, mostly because I'm not a fan of Pete Davidson to begin with. Like, all of his SNL stuff, just, I'm, I always pass on it. The only time I found him funny on SNL was that one time he got in trouble for saying stuff about the, uh, the Army veteran that was running for election. So the only time I thought he was funny on there, he gets in trouble for... It's weird because I went to this phase where he just kind of pops up randomly in movies. And when I saw What Men Want, he popped up in that, and I actually chuckled a bit at him there. But this is a, a Judd Apatow-directed movie, which I've seen all of his other movies in theaters, so it's kind of tough that this one, you know, is skipping theaters, but it's understandable. I just really have mixed feelings on Pete Davidson. Did you catch his Netflix special? Uh, I didn't. Um, Netflix special is really hit and miss for me, but also I didn't watch it because I kind of have the same experience with you. I think he's a really good writer. I just don't know that I like him acting at least in snl uh, which has been the majority of what i've seen him in i i I think some of the skits that he has are pretty well written i just i think his character is a little loud and obnoxious and i get that that's the point it doesn't make me want to watch more of of him but i had a very opposite feeling when i saw this trailer which surprised me i i was fully expecting to say this movie looks annoying when we were talking about it but i'm kind of really interested in seeing this movie and a lot of that is because this doesn't look like typical Pete Davidson. This looks like uh, a relatively serious, almost, I mean, not quite as serious as like when Steve Carell did Foxcatcher, but but maybe on the levels of Krasinski now doing some of the, you know, Jack Ryan, 13 Hours, a little bit more of the Quiet Place, a little bit more of the serious kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm ragging too hard on him because he, he clearly does have some talent. I mean, he's made a lot further than I ever have, so, you know, hats off to him. Same. but. Watching the Netflix special, I started to turn around on him a little bit. He had some funny bits, even though the whole special felt more like it was like a podcast confessional form. Like he goes on about dating Ariana Grande and that whole train wreck. <laughs> get it? Train wreck to Apatow. I get it now. Yeah, I can think. But his special ends on a weird note. He comes out for like an encore. And he goes on to tell the story about how his dad was a firefighter for 9-11 and died during that. And then when I saw this trailer, it hit me kind of weird because like, I know it's semi-autobiographical for him. And I feel like Apatow, I always look forward to all his movies. But this one seems to be hitting a weird, like, you know, more dramatic than usual, more serious. And I don't know, I'm used to like the... 40-year-old virgin, knocked up, even funny people. That was pretty dramatic, but it had the right 
kind of humor in it. So I'm I'm really 50-50 on this movie, but I know I'm going to see it for sure, and hopefully the movie can you know, make me want to recommend it to people. I did not know that autobiographical portion. I know that Pete Davidson was one of the writers on this movie, which is kind of a pro that I have. It's one of the things that makes me a little interested in watching this movie. Uh, Judd Apatow is a, is a arguably one of the better comedy directors out there right now, but I think I like him more as a producer than a director. Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared were kind of the exception, but I, re- I really liked those. I just, yeah, he seems to be a better, I, I like him more as a producer. I'm a big champion of the movie Heavyweights back in the <laughs> 90s where he's just a producer. And I think the movie's better that he didn't direct it, but I'm always down for another well-made comedy. And I was expecting when I saw Pete Davidson as the star, I was expecting this to be a wacky zany kind of like mid 2000s Adam Sandler kind of movie and I just I'm I'm not interested in any more of those because I've seen seven or eight too many bad ones of those and I I'm kind of really interested in this one I think there's a lot of things that it has going for it and I think I kind of hold Eptel kind of up on a pedestal that some people may not like I know the way people look at like uh, Stanley Kubrick movies it's kind of like how I look at Judd Apatow's directing career but with uh, King of Staten Island, this is only his sixth movie that he's directed. And like I said, we're seeing the Netflix special with Davidson and his dad being a firefighter. And then with this, like, I don't know if the trailer made clear on if his dad only died in fire or if it was 9-11 directly. I don't think the trailer made it clear. I, I wonder if they're going to make that distinction. Like, the feeling I got from the trailer was I don't think they're going to incorporate 9-11. So it's kind of weird when... Not weird, but knowing how his dad actually did die, like, I don't know how realistic or close to Pete Davidson's life that they're trying to do. Yeah. There's a lot of other people in this movie, too, that that I I was really surprised to see. Uh, I mean, Marissa Tomei showing up, and that was a pleasant surprise. And Bill Burr showing up. I'm, I'm here just because Bill Burr's in the movie. Yeah. I, I think he's one of the funniest comedians out there. I don't like his stand-up, but I think uh, I think F is for Family is just a hilarious show. Uh, and then, of course, Steve Buscemi popping up in this trailer. There's a lot lot of really high-caliber people in this. And like a lot of it is because of Judd Apatow and who he is. But he grew up with all the, a lot of these people. Like His college roommate was Sandler. Right. He's definitely a friend of the comedian and... Like you said, like with Bill Burr popping up, I'm hoping he gets some serious scenes that he can chew on. I was really expecting not to not to want to like this movie in anticipation because this seems like a kind of movie based off of the main character. You know, even the name kind of gives a straight to VOD release. Like this doesn't doesn't necessarily scream like this was made by a studio intended to be released in theaters. And so that's what I was honestly expecting going into the into the the trailer. But I'm actually really excited. I think to see this one. I don't I don't know that I'm fully the way there because I still have some hangups about it, but I, I definitely am more excited about this than I would have expected. Like I, I think I am gonna get a little a little morbid here. But when they first released like teaser trailers for this, it was just like a zoom chat between Apatow and Davidson. And like I never even heard of this movie until that got released. And then I realized, oh, it's a new Judd Apatow movie. It's coming out in June. And if it wasn't for this pandemic, if it came out, I think, in theaters at the time that's getting released, it probably wouldn't have made a dent. But I think this is going to be a movie that is going to kind of 
benefit off of the state of the world by doing a VOD release in a time when middle of June, we're not even going to know if studios are going to be open yet. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a morbid thought. I think it's definitely a correct thought where I think this movie is going to be financially more profitable than if it were released in theaters because this looks like a well-made movie that's coming to VOD and they can charge the VOD prices instead of the theater tickets. And there's a lot of Apatow supporters. That a lot, there's a lot of Pete Davidson fans. There's a market right now for people wanting that new something because there hasn't been a good new something since, I don't know, Onward, maybe? But yeah, like for the past 20 years, anytime a movie came out to a straight video on demand, it wouldn't make it then. But now, you know, they're starting to make money. I think that's also more of a perception that people are knowing that, okay, if it wasn't for everything going on, this movie would have been released theatrically, which means it has like a a theatrical movie budget behind it, that kind of caliber. But like, once you know everything goes back to normal with movie theaters open and everything, VOD won't be like this. It'll drop back off. I don't know, man. I I think a lot of movie companies are are going to lean towards VOD releases because they see that exactly like what you said. You don't. You know, Ten years ago, you never got high quality stuff straight to DVD, but that's just not the case anymore. I mean, every now and then you get Trolls World Tour and Scoob and stuff like that, which I haven't seen either of them. I just heard that they're bad, but I, you know, I'm a big Scooby-Doo fan, so there's a chance I'm going to watch that one at some point. I'm just not going to pay the $25 or whatever they want for it right now. So, uh, all right. So what do you think about King and Staten Island? Do you think, uh, you know, hypothetically, if this was supposed to be released in theaters, do you think you'd be there opening night? You think you'd maybe wait for a matinee? Would you wait to rent this uh, or to, to wait till it's on a streaming service or would you never watch this movie? Well, just because at Apatow alone, I would be there opening weekend. Okay. But with it going the BOD route, it may only be a rental for me. Yeah, I think um, I picked this scale, this opening weekend matinee rent streaming or never watch because, I mean, that's kind of the the anticipation for a movie. You know, how, how soon do you want to see this or do you, you know, do you want to wait for Netflix to get it seven months after it comes out or do you want to, uh, you know, you're not quite wanting to commit the money to going to see it in theaters, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rent it when it comes out on DVD. I think um, I'm probably in the rent it category right now. I, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing this. But uh, I'm not. I, I wouldn't rush to the theaters to go see this. I mean, right now I would because I'm I'm kind of dying to go to a movie again. But uh, you know, if if the world wasn't currently at its state, I think I would. Uh, you know, unless this wound up getting like a ninety something on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't think I'd go necessarily see it in theaters. Uh, I think I might wait until I can rent it for you know just a couple bucks somewhere. But because this is a VOD release, I do probably see myself just buying this whenever it comes on sale or or getting a rental from it and you know keep just keeping an eye on it. Um, VOD is going to always throw a hatchet in this. It's weird because back in the day, 20 years ago, whenever I did a podcast with a friend of mine, the scale we would do would be, would we see it in theaters, buy it, or rent it? Yep. Now, with this movie, if it was straight to Netflix, I would be way more excited for it than a VOD release. Yeah, if if this was released right on Netflix or Hulu or something like that, I I'd be watching it the first weekend it came out or or something like that, almost positively. I, I just don't know that I'm ready to commit to paying to watch this movie yet, at least more than just a couple bucks. Yeah, like theatrically, this probably would have been Apatow's first major bomb. Yeah, I mean probably, and we'll never know because the last two months are really the the core of marketing. 
and the last two months have not been good for for any sort of marketing especially <laughs> when you don't know what's going to happen so yeah. might have been a bomb but it might be his most financially successful movie, given that it's a VOD release. So I, I think both of us are probably a little bit more kind of surprised that we're actually gonna gonna want to check this out, which uh, which I'm all for. That sounds really good to me. So yeah, cool. I'm all for any new movies. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's at the end of the day, I, I pretty much will never be in this never watch category. Yeah, like they could be like, hey, we got Sister Act three coming out. I'm like, put it in my vein right now. Let me watch it. Yep. <laughs> Well, hey guys, we gotta talk about Manscaped for just a little bit. Now, Manscaped is the best in men's grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for all areas of your body, especially the sensitive ones. Now, I wouldn't support a product that I don't love and use myself, so know that right off the bat. But I really can't recommend the Lawnmower 3.0 to you enough. It's their third-generation electric trimmer, so you know they've been making improvement, improvements over time, and it shows. The trimmer has ceramic blades to make sure that you can use them everywhere on your body without having to worry about Nick's irritation you can use them for your chest, back, armpits, and especially your below the belt area without having to worry about any accidents. Now, if you don't want to skin to the trim, the trimmer also does come with some guards so you can set it to whatever length you prefer. The trimmer itself has some really premium features. For starters, the battery will last you 90 minutes and I think we can all think of a time where electric trimmers died on us in the middle of a shave and you probably called in sick or something that day. But 90 minutes is more than enough time for you to get what you needs to be done. Done. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It features an LED light to illuminate where the trimmer is going, not too different than most modern drills. And the trimmer backs 7,000 RPMs in the motor, but it is still super quiet. And it even comes with a charging stand, so you don't have to hide it or dig it out of a bag when it's time to use it. And it's not just the lawnmower. I love all Manscaped products I have. Now the Crop Reviver, it gives you a little extra, extra spritz of freshness, especially after a long day. The Preserver is this anti-chafing deodorant that is just perfect for hot summer days like now. And the Travel Bag is actually really good quality, nice leather. There's not too much uh, like organization of pockets in it, but you don't really need that with, with the bag that you're getting and the products you're getting. Uh, and frankly, their boxers are the best pair of boxers that I own. I could not recommend those enough. And the best part is you can get most of this stuff if you order the Perfect Package 3.0, which is surprisingly affordable. And it includes... Uh, some extra fun stuff in there as well. So here's the deal. Go to manscaped.com, get whatever you want, and at, in the end of checkout, use the promo code SWR, just like Sif Pop Writer's Room. That's going to give you 20% off your order and free shipping. So it's 20% off your order and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code SWR. Now, let's get on with the show and dive into our Sif topic. Well, let's talk a little bit of TV. So uh, TV, what... For, what, what shows are you watching right now, Frank? What are the shows that you are actively watching during quarantine? Well, this is a horrible time right now for this question because I just finished watching House a few days ago. Like I binged all night. Was that your first watch? No, this is my second. First watch since it aired on TV. Okay. So I cleared out all nine seasons in a few weeks. So I'm in the phase right now where... I'm kind of floating between shows, but House was such an amazing watch. When I was watching it when it first came out, it was always kind of disturbing that, you know, get used to certain people as like his team to help him solve all these mysteries. And then they kept rotating people out. But when you binge it, you don't even notice it because of how 
constant it is. Sure. But if you haven't seen House, I recommend it. And the way I sell that show to people is it's the best adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I mean, House, Holmes, Watson, Wilson, it's right there. <laughs> it's better than the BBC Sherlock show with Benedict Cumberbatch. Is that even still a thing? Like because it's BBC and and all that. It, I mean, they're they're always writing the next season, but because it's Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, they're just like whenever we can get them free, we're gonna get them. But yeah, like I like that they pretty much did what three movies every year as a show. Yeah, roughly. But yeah, I'd say it's better than that, especially because you have a lot more content. Sure. And the other thing about the, that Sherlock show is when episodes don't land, then it's just like that's a big chunk of your season that you just didn't like. You know, if you don't like one of the episodes, then you don't like a third of the season. Whereas House, where you get roughly what probably twenty four episodes a season for nine season, yeah, you know that it's a little bit different if you don't like one of the episodes. Yeah, I, I'm also watching a medical drama, or, or kind of actually drama right now. Uh, I'm I'm watching Scrubs. So I have championed Scrubs as my favorite half hour comedy show of all time period now to me scrubs ends at season eight where jd leaves sacred heart oh yeah definitely yeah season nine is in its own right a spinoff even though it's wait, wait there was a season nine uh not in this dojo there's not okay <laughs> i think that uh i think that scrubs is the best half hour comedy there has ever been and there's a lot of reasons for that and a lot of it is because the cast has great chemistry i mean it's up there on levels of seinfeld and friends and how about your mother like they just work really well together but the real thing that keeps getting me getting back to me is i i wind up belly laughing once or twice every episode and most episodes wind up hitting me in the feels and if they don't necessarily hit me on an emotional level they at least subvert some sort of expectation that i had about the show or that they subvert some sort of plot point like it's not just another comedy it's not just another medical drama it's it's really both because there are moments that i'm laughing out loud and 10 seconds later i'm weeping like it's it's crazy ridiculous yeah you know what always brings a tear to my eye with that show is it the the funeral episode the moment jd says where do you think you are right now that's it Mm. yep that is the biggest gut punch i've ever felt in a tv series Mm. and nothing else compares to that so it's been since high school since I watched Scrubs, but I've still championed it as my favorite comedy of all time. And I decided after watching the Parks and Rec special that I, I, I'm always focused on finding the next thing, consuming new media that I very rarely take some time to consume some older media that I love, especially with TV. I mean, movies, I kind of dabble a little bit in both, but TV shows are such a commitment, especially when you talk about a show like Scrubs that's eight seasons long. Like that's eight seasons of mostly twenty-four episodes a piece. That's a huge time commitment. But I I got through season one in not very much time at all because I, I just I wound up loving it and it, it is as good, if not better, than I remember in this time of of self-isolation, of needing a little bit familiar, this this has been perfect for me. So I've I've been rewatching Scrubs, which has been my, my big thing. Um, I'm also watching the Clone Wars. I never watched it as it aired, and so when Disney Plus launched, I've been kind of slowly working my way through through Clone Wars. I don't watch it terribly often, but when I do, I watch a couple episodes at a time, so I'm still at the end of season one. One thing I decided to do this year was to, for 2020, was to not watch The Office, because last year, you know, I finished up watching The Office again. And then I immediately put it right back on. The Office became my default. I don't know what to watch. 
Let me just put this on background noise. So this year I'm actively trying to either watch shows I've never seen or like I said, with House, I haven't watched that since it aired. And right now it's the perfect time to binge. But That's true. That's very true. All right, is there any uh, – so what's next for you on your list? You just said you're uh, – you, you just finished up with House. So what what is going to be your next – like uh, your, what are you watching right now? If I ask you in two days, what are you watching right now? I've been watching episodes of Scrubs. Like over the past couple months, I like watch an episode or two. Mostly I, I can't binge it the way I would a normal show because like I pay for all the different streaming services because you know I have kids so they'll watch anything. But I don't pay for ad-free Hulu. I'll only watch one or two episodes of Scrubs, and I'll be like, right, I gotta go to like Prime or Netflix get ad-free. Mm. Yeah, when I when I watched it initially, I was watching it on Netflix, and I I deliberately buy a lot of my media because I don't want to all of a sudden not be able to watch whenever. So I have the I have the DVDs of Scrubs of any of the shows that I love and want to revisit. I don't want to have to worry about do I have that subscription or is it just not available anywhere. Yeah, like couple, last month I just bought the box set of Friends because, you know, that went away. Yeah, that's coming to HBO Max. We'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm watching Clone Wars Scrubs, but I'm also watching – so I'm watching those kind of on my own, but I'm watching I'm watching The Good Place with my wife for the first time. Oh. My first time. I've been wanting to watch it, and she's a really big fan of it. We It's just one of those shows that um, we – You'll be, we've been watching more shows together. We got married in December, so we spend more time together now, especially with the quarantine. So, all right, so you got married in December. Now we're three months into quarantine. How's that looking? Well, you know, honestly, it's pretty great. I think you might have lucked out with quarantine being still in, like, the honeymoon phase. You know, some people, some people, this might be their nightmare, but for us, we're, we're actually doing really well. And not, and what's more, what more than that is I also had immobilizing surgery for several weeks right before COVID-19. So I've been self-isolating before, before it was cool. But yeah, so she, she had watched the, the Good Place. She'd been watching it in real time. And I had just, it's been one of my, sh- one of those shows on my list that, oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll get to it. And we, we finished watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, which was the show that she hadn't seen that I had seen. And we've been watching The Good Place. I'm in, I'm in season four now, uh, but I don't know anything about the ending, so no spoilers. And then uh, I have a show. Um, whenever I'm just like, I still currently have cable, although I'm about to cancel it. Like, I think cable can survive if they can lower their prices, but if they're going to keep it like this, they got to go. I still have DirecTV. I, I love my, I actually really like my service. I just don't want to pay that price anymore when I can get Hulu for the same price that Hulu Live TV. So. But if I'm flipping channels, I, I always stop on Impractical Jokers because it's always on and it's always, even if I've seen the episode five or six times, it still makes me laugh just as hard. But what's that What's that show for you if you're flipping through something and you just, it happens to pop up? Before this year, I probably would have said The Office. Uh, the rare times I am flipping through, I usually do end up hovering around Comedy Central for like the South Park marathons. Okay. That's also a pretty good choice. Although like, on the past few seasons, South Park kind of irritated me because I'm trying to do these like season-long story arcs, and I kind of just miss the old days where one episode does the entire story. Like I like to be able to watch, especially animated shows. I feel like you should be able to watch at random and not be lost, with one exception. Sure. Being F is for family. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, um, those are the shows that I'm currently watching. Uh, but what I like to do is I like to watch a show like that's a half hour long and a show that's an hour long because sometimes I don't have an hour. I only have the 20 minutes. And so sometimes I go to that or sometimes like I want to watch something with a little bit more substance. So I don't want to watch the half hour show. Uh, but I currently don't have one. Really, I haven't had one during quarantine. I finished wrapping up. Uh, shoot, I can't even remember. It's been that long ago. But I finished wrap, wrapping up uh, an hour long show. And I got to know what's what's next for me to watch. I've got three options for you. I want you to pick what's the next hour long show that I watch. Um, should I watch? I'll, I've never seen any three of these. Right. Should I watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Newsroom or Fargo? Newsroom. Newsroom? Hands down, Newsroom. Grant, that's going to be a bit of a short watch compared to Buffy. Fargo has an amazing first season. That second season, I only watched two episodes and gave up. And I'm not saying the show's bad or anything. It's just, if I get into a show, I'll binge everything. Sure. But if it's still airing or new seasons are going to come out, I would binge up to that point. And then usually I forget about the show if it's still airing. Newsroom was a show that I got on to like season one and I kept with that show all the way through till the end. So not having seen Newsroom, episode one is going to hook you and you're not going to stop till you're done. I've seen the clip of, of the opening clip because I think a lot of people have seen it even if they don't know what they've seen. Yeah. And that immediately hooked me. And then once I got HBO, it was one of the first shows to go on my list, but I never... Never got around to watching it. So I'm actually really excited. Thank you for picking that. I, yeah, uh, Jeff, Jeff Daniels is just firing on all cylinders. Like, I want more of that show. Cool. Well, what about, do you watch any shows that you, like, keep up on a week-to-week basis? Any shows that, like, you know, go on your DVR or, like, you're like, well, there's a new episode of this out, so I got to watch it? Uh, currently, Rick and Morty. Okay. Granted, that only lasts for a couple more weeks, and then it'll probably be another two years before you get a new one. Sure. Yeah, I that's definitely. I only watch five shows on a on a week to week basis. Um, I, I was sitting there trying to think of any of them, and I mean, sometimes I try to catch up. Like uh, I have Zoe's extraordinary playlist on my queue, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. So, but there's generally five that like I actually pretty well keep up with. Rick and Morty's one of them. Uh, Mandalorian, of course. I think it's it's kind of incredible what it's doing, but it wasn't even in my top three favorite shows of last year. I watch Stranger Things, but I like don't get around to it immediately. Um, I usually wait like a month or two because I'm usually in the middle of something, and it's hard for me to just drop whatever I'm doing because I'm a completionist. I have to finish what I'm doing before I can start something else. Uh, but except for The Mandalorian, you know, if at least if since Disney Plus is releasing you know one episode a week, that's a lot easier for me to consume because I was watching every episode the day it aired, as opposed to I'll get around to it in February or March, and it's better for it. Every week, I'll stay up till four in the morning waiting for it to drop on the East Coast. Yeah, it's that kind of show, which I think Netflix, Amazon Prime, I think they're all missing out on huge opportunities there because you know I think uh, I think Aaron Dicer said it on the uh, main show before, but if if Stranger Things were to instead of just launch it all at once if they were to launch on a week-by-week basis they could dominate the entire tv talk for all of summer yeah like but they release it all at once and so they dominate about a week of conversation and then everybody has seen it and nobody's talking about it anymore netflix has kind of ruined television in that sense because there are shows that they put out that i will watch the day it comes out i'll try and watch it within a day or two if i have to stretch it out i will love it and then I got to wait an entire year to see it again. But I can't talk about Netflix shows or even Amazon Prime shows with people because you don't want to spoil it. You don't know where they're at, where they're watching it. You can't be expected to remember 
when stuff happens in each and every episode. So that does cut out on a lot of chatter that, like, some of these Netflix shows shouldn't do an entire season at a time. Like, they need to change up because before, people would binge, but that's just because, okay, a show like Office finishes airing, they have it all. Of course, people are going to want to binge it. That doesn't mean you should let them binge every new show you put out. So, like, Stranger Things, as much as I would hate having to wait, Essence for Family would be a great one. House of Cards should have been the the best example for that. Oh, yeah, like, they would have dominated. People would just be talking about that. Maybe not that last season, but... but well, I, well, people were still talking about it, but for but for the wrong reasons. But, yeah, Stranger Things should be a summer event. Yeah, I, so I keep up with those. I think I think you're right. I think there's a little bit of uh, of some, you know, I can't talk about it until you see it. But also, like, I come into this problem a lot where I watch so much, I can't remember what was going on, like, specifically. And, like, if for a show, like, Arrested Development is the perfect example for that. I keep up with that one whenever they le- release a new season. But, like, it's it's several years between seasons at this point. And so I feel like I have to watch the previous season to understand the next one. And even like when they released season five, but it was in two separate parts, six months apart. I watched the first half like almost immediately. But then by the time the second half came on, came on, I needed to rewatch the first one because I had no idea what was going on. So I, I don't know. I think I think there's a little bit of advantages and disadvantages. But uh, I also uh, I keep up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mentioned that when I was talking about The Good Place. That's one that the second it's on my DVR, I want it. I actually have... My dog that's been walking around a little bit is a he's a corgi, and so I named him Cheddar after Captain Holt's corgi. So he's he's just the the best little guy ever. I watch Westworld. I think a lot of people do. Anybody that has HBO should be watching Westworld because it's kind of amazing. I don't know, like Westworld. I gave it like three episodes on season one. Gave up. I have been told with this new season, I should just skip right to it. Maybe watch like a YouTube recap video and jump back in. I don't want to have to feel forced to watch half of a season before it can hook me in. Like I'll give it two or three episodes and then just completely forget about it. Yeah. I feel the same way. Um, You got to have me by episode one or two before I really want to continue. But Westworld did that for me. And I, I think if you ask me what my favorite singular season of TV is of all time, it's either the Watchmen HBO series or the first season of Westworld. I think both of them are just perfect, and it, it, unfortunately, Westworld has a really bad season two, so if you don't like season one, you're just not going to... It's just way overly complicated, and you know they, they showed all of their cards that they were holding in season one, and all of a sudden, they felt like they had to you know shuffle in a new deck that did not match at all, and it was just like... like I get that you, you have built a reputation on being this kind of show but this isn't sustainable season three is very totally different you really honestly could watch a recap and just pick up like a five minute recap and pick up you know if it's not your kind of thing then it's not it's just this one is very much more sci-fi as opposed to western maybe i should just skip to season three like parks and rec i hated that show because the first season is awful yeah like uh, the first episode i watched it and then i I watched the second episode and then i stopped and then it wasn't until a friend of mine said, trust me on this, just skip season one, start at two. I watched two, and I was hooked. Yep. I still haven't gone back and watched season one. I probably never will. You don't need to. It's not good. It, it's not It's not good until halfway season, through season two, but once it finds its groove, it's one of the best sitcoms there have ever been. 
the, the only other show that I do keep up pretty regularly on uh, is What We Do in the Shadows. Just because I'm such a big fan of Taika Waititi. I'm such a big fan of the, the movie. And the first season was really good. I have not yet seen season two. But it is waiting for me on Hulu and the DVR. So I, I'm going to just sit down and get through it pretty soon. But that, that is the only other show that I keep watching. I also have Snowpiercer on my DVR. The David Diggs, Jennifer Conley, TNT, based off of the book that Snowpiercer, the movie, was by. But it's it sounds like it has nothing to do with the original story. It's just characters in this universe, which doesn't super entice me. But it's David Diggs, and he, has he done anything wrong? I think Blind Spotting's incredible, and his arc on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is great, and of course Hamilton. But I don't know. So I have not yet seen it, but it is, I am about to start it. That's the only other show that I've got to to say that I'm probably actively watching. What about you? So you said you stopped The Office uh, for 2020. What's So what's been your favorite show that you watched besides, so this year? Better Call Saul is, that's another show that I started since day one. I'm a big champion of. A month ago, I finally got, or not a month ago, but whenever the new season came out, Ozark. I watched that and that got me hooked. That was a... I think Ozark might be one of the better shows I've seen this year, especially the last season. Like I said, it's weird anymore to feel like you're watching a show because of the binge factor. It doesn't feel like Netflix does TV shows. They're just really, really long movies that you get hooked on. And what about, what's your favorite uh, favorite TV show of, of all time? Well, on this arm over here, I have a tattoo of Stewie from Family Guy. So I'm going to have to go with The Office. <laughs> Because you probably got that that tattoo when Family Guy was still a good show. I got that tattoo when it wasn't a show, okay? I was in college. Oh, during the cancellation. Yeah, those first three seasons are perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Family Guy canceled again, not coming back, got the Stewie tattoo. A year later, they announced they're coming back. So I still watch the show. I enjoy it. But it has nothing on those first three original seasons. <laughs> I, I think the first three are definitely the best. Um, I think the show is still good until the um, uh, the and then there were non parody. They call it, I think they called it and then there were fewer, where they had the you know the the mansion. Yeah. I think that's the ending point where I say after that episode the show's not really good anymore. It's not worth watching. The reason why I love those seasons is kind of the same reason once again why I'm in love with F is for Family. Sure. When I saw this question on our show prep what is my favorite show of all time you know i looked at my catalog i looked at everything and i think any given day that answer might change but today i'm gonna say i think my favorite show of all time is the batman animated series from the 90s i was expecting you to go with scrubs you know i scrubs is my favorite half hour comedy but we can't forgive season nine because it technically is scrubs now it doesn't exist in this do- dojo but because they decided to do with that instead of a spinoff you have to say no and you have to be like look i'm gonna put you down for for a minute but you know westworld has that season two that's just really not that great and uh, you know i i I wonder if recency bias i can't say the hbo watchman series or chernobyl i'm today i'm gonna say the batman the animated series no that's an excellent solid choice have you watched the animated harley quinn on dc no because i don't have it but all the DC Universe content is coming to HBO Max. So I will probably watch it. But like part of the reason, that's exactly one of the points why I think Batman the Animated Series might be the best show ever because it takes such a great source material 
and it turns it into something that both old fans and new fans love, and they are able to add characters that just work like Harley Quinn and make it feel so natural and make Harley Quinn feel like such a, like make her feel like an original comic book character, but they made her up for the show. So it, it totally gets Batman right. Characterly, it gets Batman right. The voice acting is the best voice acting there's ever been in cartoons. It's really an accomplishment, and the HD remasters that they released not too long ago are spectacular. So I'm I'm gonna go with that one. But we you were talking about streaming services a little bit. So what what streaming services do you have? Or maybe the better question for task people today is which ones do we not have? I'd say I have Netflix, I have Amazon, I have Hulu, I have Disney Plus. But like I said, like I'm a family man. I have four daughters and a wife. Someone is always watching at least one of them. So I can chalk that up to none of it's ever a waste of money because someone is getting content out of it. I have CBS All Access that I don't watch. <laughs> I keep forgetting to cancel. <laughs> but yet I don't because I still haven't finished Picard yet. I have Netflix. I have HBO Max. See, we really need to get to the gripe question. Or not gripe, but the hot take question. <laughs> okay, well, we get this second. I have... A, I have I have Hulu, I have HBO, I have, um, I, I just got Hulu a couple days ago because I'm dropping my cable because I'm getting, it, it's a little bit less for me to get Hulu live TV, so I'm doing that, and the no ads plan because it's an extra five a month, and if I'm paying 60 a month, I'm going to spend, um, 55 a month, I'm going to go ahead and do the 60 instead. Yeah, so that's, uh, and I have Disney Plus. Um, really, the only ones I don't have are, I don't have CBS All Access or DC Universe or I don't know. I I think I have pretty much major stuff. Hulu used to be a big crutch for me, but especially now that they're doing the FX on Hulu stuff, like I I, I need to to watch devs. All right, so um, let's get to that hot take then. All right, gripe is HBO Max. What? My gripe is with HBO Max. I have. And why is that? Like I still have cable, and I'm always going to have cable because where I'm at, that's the only way I can get gigabyte internet speed. And there are times when I'm transferring like 20 to 40 gig files. So if I had to wait, that would drive me crazy. So we have cable and I pay for HBO. Mm -hmm. But with paying through HBO through cable, I have HBO Go, which they're not going to count towards HBO Max. So even though I'm paying for HBO, I can't have HBO Max unless I pay an additional 15 a month for it. Hmm. And it is really bugging me that, like, okay, if you have HBO Now, that's pretty much HBO Max, which I don't get because HBO Now, can you watch all their stuff, like, on demand, or is it live only? It's the exact same as HBO Go, except you don't have to have a cable subscription. It's $15 a month. But it's the exact platform and content of HBO Go. So all their back catalog and everything current. Like, I feel like if you're paying for HBO on cable, you should automatically get HBO Max with it. And, you know, I agree with that. I think that's dumb. I'm, I'm fighting on your side. But at the same time, can't you just cancel it with cable and just pay the subscription fee, which is it's it's less to pay for HBO Max than it is to pay for it through cable. At least I had DirecTV at 17 for HBO, but it was only 15 for just HBO now. And if you pre-order HBO Max, it's only 12. So... I mean, unless you're getting HBO for free, like, isn't that just a simple solution? But also, like, HBO should really just fix that. Yeah, but then, I don't know, like, I like being able to go from room to room and just 
it's on, on HBO on the TV. That's true. It's like you don't have to, to think about what you're gonna be on. Like that's true. I get that. Okay. I don't know. Like it, it just feels greedy. That's like okay. If you're paying for HBO now without a cable subscription, we'll give you this. They sh- you should have access to that. That is dumb. And now they announced the Snyder cut. <laughs> yep. But it's all right. You know, you got till 21, 2021 to figure it out. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I got I got a hot take for you. My hot take, uh, and I decided to tailor this specifically to you based off our conversation, is that I don't think that The Office is even in the top 15 comedies of all time. Where does that disconnect at? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a fine show. I think some seasons are great and some seasons are terrible. I hate Michael Scott as a character. Uh, but I get that part of that is the appeal for him. I just, I don't, I don't. Have you watched the entire show? I have. Because I started it, I got a couple episodes in, I stopped. And I started it, I got a couple episodes in, and I stopped because I didn't like it. And, and so I finally decided I'm going to sit down and watch it all so people could stop telling me that you just need to get to this point. Because there are some really good moments. Jim and Pam's wedding is great. And Michael's departure is great. And I even like the season after Michael's gone, but the the last season is atrocious. You know, it's not in the top 10 or 15 for me. It's How I Met Your Mother, Scrubs, Friends, The League, Community. All those are are far better than The Office, especially Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I think those are top caliber. The Office has probably the greatest series finale of all time. Uh, I prefer the Parks and Rec one over that. But, but, hold on now. (laughs) The Office did something for their series finale that I feel like is probably one of the first to do it. But since they did it, other shows have emulated the making the series finale do a time jump sure. to see where they're at in the future. Like Parks and Rec practically did that for an entire season. Uh, the show Weeds, they did a time jump for their series finale. I, I think that the time jump is interesting. I wish that shows did it less, but... I, but it made sense for the narrative of The Office. It didn't really make sense for the narrative of Parks and Rec. But I still appreciated it. I'm going to ch- I'm gonna take my answer. I'm going to say that the, the season 8 finale of Scrubs is the best TV series finale of all time. It's perfect. When he's walking out with the projector stuff going. The, yeah. It, it hits you on all the emotional levels. And it makes you laugh, too. Because as he's walking out, you know, Hooch is crazy. Yeah, I think I'm going to upgrade my Hulu to ad-free and hop on Scrubs. Please do, and let me know how much you're enjoying it. Oh, like, Scrub, that's the show I've always enjoyed. Like, it's nothing new for me, but I haven't watched it probably in eight years, maybe. Like, I think I'm on season two right now. That's where I'm at. Like, just doing a couple episodes here and there. It's it's also a rare breed of show that you can both watch casually and watch intently like narratively there are advantages to watching it chronologically but if it's just on comedy central there's nothing wrong with just turning it on it works both ways and i don't know how they pulled it off but most episodes that's 90 percent of the episodes you can do that whereas you can't necessarily do that with with some other shows like sometimes the office is better chronologically certain seasons but yeah Agreed. Anyway, um, let's move on to the B-plot. Yeah? All right. All right. Well, I want to hear your take on a 2021 hypothetical fantasy cast of Rear Window. So we got the characters in front of us. Uh, so go ahead and go through your characters and your writers, writer or writers, and your director. Right. Full disclosure, I have not seen the original. Oof. I know enough about it. I watched a couple of random scenes. I watched the trailer. I did my research. Okay. 
And I feel like most remakes nowadays are done in by studio heads that probably haven't seen the original. Like they're just throwing stuff out of wall, seeing what sticks. So right off the bat, I wish I got the original cast listing to compare to. So LB Jeffries is played by James Stewart. Have you watched Hollywood on Netflix? No. Because my first pick for that character, I want to go with David Cornswet. I'm not entirely sure. But he plays Jack Costello in Hollywood on Netflix. And the way the guy talks just reminds me a lot of a Jimmy Stewart-type character. And I actually think he would be perfect for a Rear Window remake situation. Okay, then you have uh, Grace Kelly playing Lisa. January Jones is who I'd pick. Okay, I'm a fan of that. <laughs> you okay with that? Wendell Corey is Detective Doyle. Uh, it, really, the rest right. of these aren't necessarily names. Yeah, Kelsey Grammer. Okay. I want to Kelsey Grammer as a detective. Uh, you know, initially, I had some, some pushback, but I... Okay. Then we got Stella. Stella's the, the, the housekeeper. Kathy Bates. Is this going to be a misery crossover too? I put that specifically in my notes. That I feel like with her association with misery, Caddy Bait, I think she'll be perfect. Okay. All right. Now, who's playing your Lars Thorwald? Uh, okay. Are you ready? You are going to love this choice. Okay. I didn't think. I thought you might hate this choice, but after talking to you now, I think you're going to like it. Okay. Brendan Fraser. Oh. <laughs> All right, explain your reasoning for that. I don't know. I looked the original actor up on IMDb, and I went, he kind of looks like an older version of Brendan Fraser. Haven't seen him in a while. He probably looks like that. Brendan Fraser has crazy eyes, so it might be perfect. Because <laughs> Law Sirwood, he's the guy that we think is the... He is the suspect, yes. All right, Mrs. Lonely Hearts I have as Gabriel Union. Okay. Again, I don't know why. I, I haven't fully seen the movie. Uh, I mean, Lonely Hearts uh, songwriter and Miss Torso are fairly like minor people. They're very minor, but they do add something to the movie that without them, it's a fairly different movie. So, because all we see from them is just what he sees through the window. Yes. Yeah. So I watched like the Miss Lonely Hearts scene, and I thought I don't know why. Like Gabriel Union, like again, I just finished like watching the Bad Boys movie, so she was kind of on my mind already. Okay. For the songwriter. Uh, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I think I like your pick better than mine. All right. Now ready for Miss Torso? Miss Torso, let's do it. Okay, maybe I should have watched the movie. Because I thought Torso, okay, that just must be a random person we don't see anything about. So I went, it could also maybe be a Mr. Torso. And the person playing them would be whoever wins the Omaze contest. <laughs> Okay, you know, I'll, I'll accept it. For really, for Lonely Hearts songwriter or Mrs. Dorso, I would take, yes, I would take the Omaze contest winner. Uh, who do you have writing and directing? Uh, I have two people, both for writing and directing, and that would be Josh and Benny Safty. Oh, oh, that'd be really interesting. Like, I think if we just give them the whole project, let them do whatever they want, they could come up with, like, something really... Amazing, I think. You know, I would have never thought the Zafty Brothers, but I've only seen Uncut Gems. I haven't seen their other movie. It's really good. And I did not like Uncut Gems, but I th I think they'd be killer for Rear Window. 
Cool. Well, you ready for my casting? Yeah. All right. For LB Jeffries, I have William Jackson Harper, who plays Cheaty in The Good Place. Cheat? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Because I think that I want to go with a little, with like, part of this character, LB, is is very paranoid. And I think Cheaty having his stomach aches uh, and this philosopher character in The Good Place can embody that. But I also think it's different enough that we're not typecasting him into this character for the rest of his career yeah so yeah i i, I want to say cheaty uh for that for for lisa <laughs> the love interest from a rich family i'm going with Letitia wright who plays shuri in black panther right. and she's also in the museum episode of black mirror because i think she would have really good chemistry with cheaty and i think that she can provide a lot of the comic relief uh as well as kind of play a little bit of the uppity um if she needed to so Going with Letitia Wright. For Detective Doyle, um, I have Idris Elba for this because I just want, I, I love Idris Elba in Luther, and I need more Idris Elba as a detective in my life. I'm always down for more Idris Elba. Exactly. And uh and I think that that I want to see him specifically in this Noir role now. So um, for Stella, now Stella's the housekeeper. She's generally known to, like, to be oldie, old and like in everybody's business. Um, I decided to go young and in everybody's business. So like, let's say this is a college student who this is their side job. Uh, I'm going with Jessica Roth, who is from Happy Death Day to you and Happy Death Day. And she has a small role in La La Land. Wait, she was in La La Land? It's very, she's one of Emma Stone's roommates in the beginning. Oh, I think that she's incredible in especially Happy Death Day to you. I think she is just as funny as she is gorgeous. And she's, she can play that snooty uptight. And I, yeah, I, I think having a college student as the the housekeeper makes sense for a 2021 remake. Yeah, and she's also, she's one of my crushes. Yeah, mine too. Well, 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 I'm crushing on her. She's not, she'll know who the hell Same. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then for Lars Thorwald character, all right, so this is the one I told you, I, it's, I'm going out on a bit of a limb, but I'm, I think, I think I'm really excited about it. I, I picked Steve Carell. And I picked that because of him and Foxcatcher. Really? After you're going to bash on office, you're going to be like, here you go, Steve. I see how it is. I think that he has more dramatic chops in him than people give him credit for, even though he has had those dramatic roles that people have given him credit for. And I think that he can play oh, yeah, definitely. this character, this suspicious character, but that you also like, he's just suspicious enough that you're always thinking he did it. But he's also just maybe innocent enough that you think maybe LG, LB is just kind of stir crazy. Like it's a it's a combination of both. Have you seen Morning Show on Apple TV? I do not have Apple TV Plus, nor do I wish to get it. Like Apple just keeps giving it away anytime you buy one of their products. But Morning Show is definitely you gotta watch it for Steve Carell. He does it. He's great as Matt Lauer. Does a spot on like he it's perfect. Well, you assume that I have the money to buy an Apple product. So uh, I, I, I gender swapped Miss Lonely Heart. So playing Mr. Lonely Heart is Mark Evan Jackson, who plays Kevin in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Stuart in The Good Place. Kevin. The, he's a Captain Holt husband. Oh. So I'm going with him. Oh, man. And for the songwriter, based off of pure suaveness, I'm going with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. All right. And then for, for Miss Torso, I'm going with Vanessa Kirby. From Mission Impossible Fallout and Hobson Shaw. She plays Shaw's sister. Oh, gotcha. I'll stick with him in his contest winner. 
You know, I, I, I've, it, whoever decides to back out out of those last three can be Omade's contest winner. <laughs> whoever has to back out due to creative differences or scheduling issues. But uh, and then for writer director, that probably Jeffrey Gordon Levitt. <laughs> we probably couldn't afford him for that minor of a role. Although he likes to do cameos. Yeah, I have Aaron Sorkin writing because. I want him to write everything, and especially something of this caliber, this dialogue-driven. I mean, there's there's no better pick. Yeah, but the guy, is, he broke his leg. He's in a wheelchair. He doesn't have room to walk around. That's true. That's true. But, yeah, but even though Rear Window is is sitting, it's a lot of sit and talk. People are constantly moving around him, and and people are constantly moving in the other apartment buildings that he's looking at. So... I still want Sorkin to write the dialogue, and I picked John Krasinski to direct. Because there's something about Hitchcock in Rear Window that is the most restrained I've ever seen a movie director. Where a movie that any other director would have taken and made it take place outside the apartment. Or actually given you conversations uh, with other people. Or... Or trying to just tip you off at the very beginning whether or not Lord Starwald actually did it, like did the crime that they're they're accusing him of. But there's so much restraint in there, and and I thought of the A Quiet Place and how much restraint John Krasinski shows in that because any lesser director would have made it, you know, another Godzilla movie or something like that, or another you know, an episode of The Walking Dead. But Krasinski shows so much restraint in that he was my he was my first pick for a director. I feel like if you got Krasinski directing, you'd also have to get him to be Jeffries in it. I thought about that. Um, I really did, because initially I put Tom Hardy as LB Jeffries and um, Emily Blunt as Grace Kelly. But then I was was the Grace Kelly character. But then I was like, well, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, let's just do that. But then I was like, no, I want Krasinski to direct. And I think... I think he could do starring in it as well. I think he could play that character or or the detective maybe. I think he would probably be a little bit better at. But for the sake of wanting the movie to be better, I'm just going to have him direct this one. I'm I'm just glad you didn't say Jordan Peele. You know, I think that would also not be a bad pick. Yeah, like, it wouldn't be a bad pick. I'm I'm loving Jordan Peele as a director, but I feel like he's hovering too close to always trying to be Hitchcock. I feel like he's always going to be in a Hitchcock shadow. I want to see him really break out from that. I think he's in a Hitchcock shadow, but he's also bringing Hitchcock into the 21st century. It's a combination of both. Yeah, that is true. Like, it's one of those things where, like, okay, he'll be a good pick for this. But at the same time, I feel like, come on, do your own thing. I mean, it it's already worked for him. Like, I don't know how the whole Hitchcock peel thing Oh, no, I think it was right around the time of us, people started comparing him directly to Hitchcock. I think so. Funny story. You know how I got these show notes? All right, well, let's move to the spinoff. Frank, what is the one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to watch or not to watch? Well, not to sound like a broken record, but I feel like not enough people talk about FS for Family. Yep. It's literally, their show easily could have been done live action. There's no reason for them to be animated. But they're choosing to be that way. And I guess animation would be a lot cheaper than if they tried to do it live action, just getting everything from that time period. Like a couple of my friends, they recently got into Evans for Family because of me. And every time they finish it, they're mad that they didn't get into it sooner. June 12th is when the new season starts. So start now. Well, by the time this episode releases, it's going to be June 17th. So it will have already released. Okay, so... Yeah, so June 12th, so you guys should have, you know, 
started watching it then, but yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's been out for five days, watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really surprised that show did not get canceled because I don't know many people are talking about it. Like, I know people are talking about Big Mouth, which is great, and I love Big Mouth, but Netflix seems to be canning a lot of their stuff. Your Marvel stuff got canceled because of the whole Disney Plus thing, but Santa Clarita Diet got canceled, and I hear more people talking about that than F is for Family, which I loved Santa Clarita Diet. Well, I think F is for Family probably is still here because solely of me, and the number of times I've watched it, the number of times I've like put it on TV, gone to sleep, the number of people I've got into it. I would not be surprised if because Bill Burr writes and stars in that show, if he has a deal with Netflix or at least an unspoken deal of if you stop giving or if you don't let me do this show, then I'm going to stop giving you stand up specials. I'm going to go to HBO or something. Yeah. And like now that he's working with Disney Plus, you know, with Mandalorian, I'm hoping Netflix doesn't cancel it out of spite, but rather keeps it going even longer because. Now you have all the Star Wars fans knowing who he is. I don't think that would be the case because he's only a small character in one of the episodes of Mandalorian. He's not, you know, he's not the main character. And also, like, I, I don't think that, I don't know, I think they spited Disney enough with the, with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. So I'm hoping it doesn't work against them. And like I said, I hope, especially now with the slowdown, like production Hollywood, Animation can always keep going. Like, doesn't matter what's going on in the world. They're not going to have a production problem just because they are animation. They just got to shift to animators working from home. Right. Well, uh, the thing that I'm going to recommend to you this week is uh, if you have YouTube Red or YouTube Premium, there's a movie on there called Bodied. (laughs) Yeah. You can watch it on VOD or you could buy a Blu-ray some places. Uh, at least I know Amazon has them, but YouTube Premium is the only place you can stream it. So this movie is about battle rappers. And if once you get to know me, you should know that battle rap or even rap is not my thing in general. Really? Everything about this movie screams that it probably shouldn't be for me because, uh, you know, I, I grew up in, in white suburbia. Like, I, I don't have this. And par- But part of the appeal is that because it's a movie about battle rap, but more so it's about this character, Adam, that is studying battle rap for his thesis, but in the process winds up battle rapping himself because, of course, he does. And uh, it's produced by Eminem. It's it's surprisingly got some really cool moments, like moments that remind me of of 8 Mile with the Papa Doc and Eminem stuff. But I don't even like 8 Mile that much. Like I saw it once. I was like, yeah, I'm okay not watching that again. But I, I really liked Bodied, and it's it's got some really intense moments. It's got some really emotional moments there are characters in there that you want to punch in the face the whole movie and there is a scene where he goes off on one of these characters in a vegan restaurant and it's it just made me laugh for like 10 minutes straight it's it's really good but it's also really frustrating because the whole movie you you want to root for adam but you also don't because you see adam being himself and you're like i get what you're doing but this is not cool and you don't it's, his flaws are very obvious to everybody except for himself, and it's really frustrating to watch. But the end, the ending of this movie is is just perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna say you should go watch Bodied. Well, that's a wrap. Reminder that uh, Sif Pop Writer's Room is a part of the Studio DNA Network. If you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot. Then email us at writersroom at SifPop.com. But 
uh, we got one more thing to do before we officially sign off. And Frank, where can people find you uh, to, to interact with you, to connect with you, to see all the things that you're writing? All right. Well, they can find me almost weekly at, you know, on Sif Pop, on the articles. They can find me on Twitter at Frank Kemp 3 Same name on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Just Twitter, I swear. I'm sorry, Mom. I got bills. No. <laughs> we were going so well and then i just derailed the whole thing you know i'm gonna keep it in it's okay (laughs) yeah well you can get in contact with uh with me uh by emailing writersroom at sifpop.com you can follow me on twitter it's uh at schweitcastle s-c-h white castle like the amazing fast food restaurant that always leaves your stomach in a wrong mood and uh you can find me just pretty much on twitter um you can interact with me dm me there you can at me. You can find the articles at sifpop.com, and we can continue this conversation. But uh, for now, that's a wrap on the show. And for us, it's back to the writer's room. 